Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today, we're delving into the sixth annual Global Art Market Report, authored by the renowned cultural economist Dr. Claire McAndrew. The report, if you need a reminder, presents the results of research on the global art and antiques market in 2021. The information presented is based on data gathered and analysed directly by Claire's Arts Economics. This information comes from dealers, auction houses, collectors, art fairs and art and financial databases, industry experts and others involved in the art trade. Once again, the report was created by Art Basel in partnership with UBS, and UBS's chief economist, Paul Donovan, is our guest today. He'll be talking to me and also to Claire. She's going to explain how she drew upon all of those sources and more to deliver what is the definitive report on the state of an always complex business. Claire's findings this time around clearly indicate the market recovered strongly in 2021, even surpassing pre-pandemic levels. Yet that recovery was uneven, and she'll explain why. She'll also discuss the continuing rise of digital, which of course remains a pivotal topic. Paul Donovan, Claire McAndrew, great to have you both with us once again. And Claire, let me come to you first of all. It it is now the sixth iteration of the report. Absolutely. I mean, I think a key part of the research um, this year and every year is checking in on the big trends, what's happening in the market generally in the industry overall. But I think a a key challenge this year was to see, given these very um, unique and difficult set of circumstances we've we've endured and the art market's endured for the last couple of years, Years, just to see what changes these brought about in the market and what changes they brought about for businesses that operate in it and how many of these were temporary changes that they were just doing in reaction to the pandemic and the unusual circumstances and how many were more permanent changes. Um, and we didn't quite get a, a perfect control test year to, to do that in, but we did begin to see some of the shifts that have happened and some things that haven't changed at all. So it is a very much more positive um, picture than, than 12 months ago when we were talking last. Things have improved um, fairly strongly in the market. The market's up 29% overall to 65.1 billion. And that's after a year in 2020 when it was one of the biggest recessions in the market since the global financial crisis. So the market had fallen 22% to just over 50 billion. And it had a, a big step up this year to just over 65 billion. And all segments recovering overall. So dealers were up. Auction sales were fantastic last year, really driven by the high end, especially. Um, and most regions did pretty well as well. I mean, some performed better than others. And I think people are seeing how they compared to 2019 rather than 2020 because it was such an unusual year in 2020. But things are definitely a lot more positive than this time last year. Yeah. And Claire, tell me a little bit about the fact that it's not just recovered or improved significantly on the picture of last year, but we're we're back. Well, indeed, we've surpassed pre-pandemic levels. How much of that growth then is driven by online expansion? I know that's a narrative we've tracked and it's changed a great deal just in the few years that we've been talking about it. But that presumably has played a, a key part. But does that pale in comparison? And as you say, things like you know big public auction sales, which have really moved on a lot in the year. 
Yeah, no, I think that's definitely been one of the biggest um, trends of the last couple of years was this shift to, to digital channels. And it was a lifesaver for a lot of businesses and why many businesses didn't close over the last couple of years was their ability to switch into this kind of dual operating system of working on and offline. Um, and obviously in 2020, we saw this huge step up in online sales. They doubled from 6 billion to, to just over 12 billion. And we saw them keeping on um, growing. It was a big question, what would happen next when, when fairs came back? and you know, gallery exhibitions and all these things came back. And they did keep growing, but not by that kind of fantastic uh, high growth rate. They grew by about 7% to just over 13 billion. So both auction houses and dealers did a lower share of sales online in 2021. But the fact that sales grew um, so strongly meant they kept growing. And it's interesting, the art market was always so much behind other retail sectors. And it has really, it's caught up. This is what the pandemic has done. It's a really important um, transition that the market's being through because it was, e-commerce was growing slowly, but we were way behind other industries. And this, and one of the outcomes of the pandemic is now it's, it's more or less level with other retail in general. Paul Donovan, let me bring you in here. Just remind us from your point of view. Well, I think the art market is, is a very complex uh, place. So art is... Uh, a mixture of, of different things. In one sense, the art market is about assets. I mean, some people consider art to be a, a, an asset. We at UBS do not, uh, but some people do. Um, in another sense, it's um, you know, something which people derive an enormous amount of pleasure from. I mean, it's the, the pinnacle of consumer goods, if you'd like to put it that way. But the art market is also... Uh, something which provides goods to people. You know, you provide physical or digital art to people, but at the same time, it's also a service because there's a, an entertainment aspect around art, about going to visit galleries. You know, it's an experience. It's not just about physical possession of objects. It's also about the experience in the art world. So it's a very, very complex subject, which I think helps to provide us with lots of complicated insights, but insights nonetheless into how economies are, are evolving. And of course, that's one of the things that we saw in the art market throughout the pandemic, is the shift to online and then the gradual recovery of physical art spaces subsequently. Um, you know, it's been very much a, a story of the larger economy over the course of the last few years. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and Claire McAndrew, if I can come back to you on that point, you know, Paul talks about the fast evolution, particularly in the digital realm, and obviously online, a huge amount of media coverage of NFTs. Um, this sort of, well, it was, I don't think anybody knew what a non-fungible token was even just a handful of years back. But are the kinds of moves we've seen in, in that specific part of the market, are they things which will have enduring value? Can your research tell us about the potential longevity of that new developing and fast evolving space? It's fascinating to look at. I mean, a lot of the sales of NFTs, even ones related specifically to art and collectibles, were outside of the traditional framework that we cover in the report. So there were, although auction houses, the big auction houses did um, certainly enter the enter the NFT um, space, and Christie's and Sotheby's sold about 230 million worth of NFTs in 2021. But that's against their turnover, about 15 or 14 to 15 billion. So it's it's um they're entering in a pretty small way, and much less prevalent in say, for example, the second tier auction houses and and galleries. Only about six percent of the galleries we surveyed had sold any NFTs. But where all the action is is outside of 
the traditional art market and taking place on NFT marketplaces and platforms. And the growth there has been phenomenal. I mean, the art and collectibles related NFTs in 2019 were less than 5 million in sales. And in 2021, this is just mainly based on the Ethereum blockchain, they were over 11 billion. So it's a huge increase of, of people buying NFTs and selling them. And what, what it is as well is a very speculative area as well. So um, about nearly three quarters of the sales in 2021 were secondary sales. So things that were being, had been bought and being resold. And the average turnaround time for it for a sale was just one month. So things, an art-based NFT is bought and resold within 30 days. And that's that's opposed to the, when you put it against the, the traditional art market, say for example, the auction sector, it's about 30 years. So instead of 30 days on NFT platforms, it's 30 years in, in the art market. So it's a it's a very different universe nearly of, of buyers and sellers, but there is some crossover and there's some parallels. Um, you know, it's it's the the market outside the art market these nft platforms peaked um in august 2021 that's the highest point of sales so far so it's it's very it'll be interesting to see what happens from here there's so many factors affecting it so many um, speculative transactions going on there i'm very hesitant to forecast in any market because so much happens in such a short space of time and it's driven by so many factors but it's going to be a very interesting one to watch and i think it will have a lot more impact on the traditional sector in the years to come as well as some, when some of the dust settles a little bit in this area, it'll have a more um, interesting and long-term impact on the market for sure. Yeah, definitely. And there's lots of interesting NFT information, including in, from the sort of collector perspective. I think almost three quarters of high net worth collectors had purchased art-based NFTs in, in 21, which is was higher than certainly I was expecting. And Paul Donovan, just to bounce a question to you about what we can read into uh, the uh, data on collector behaviour, which obviously UBS is very much involved in. Is it instructive to, well, to, to what extent can you extrapolate broader conclusions? You know, for example, if you look at the high net worth collector spending more than a million dollars on arts and antiques in a, in a year in 21, um, close to half, I think, were from were from mainland China. Does that speak to other economic indices that you might see that also suggest, I don't know, a broader optimism perhaps in that marketplace as against another geography? Well, I think we've got to be careful about extrapolating too far because, of course, art is very much a, a passion subject. Um, and you know, people uh, become you know, very passionate about what they're doing and the motives for going out and buying art are, are perhaps somewhat different. The willingness to pay up for art, I think, is a mixture of resources available, uh, perhaps uh, a degree of economic security about the future, and possibly also just building passion. So the fact that we're seeing, you know, somebody who starts off as, as a collector may start off quite small and then suddenly, you know, becomes more and more infused in, in the process. So uh, there's a lot of complicated issues that are, that are going on here. Very broadly, I think obviously this speaks to the increase in wealth that we've been seeing in the Asian region, uh, and also to some extent, you know, perhaps a more unequal distribution of wealth, because that means that there are more people in a position to be global players in the art market. That's certainly something that we have seen come through. Um, but the rise of um, you know, wealthy individuals in Asia has been a trend for some time. And I suppose it is natural, it's inevitable, that we would then start to see that manifesting in your art and collectibles. 
Um, let's talk a bit about fares, because this was something that was sort of off the agenda for obvious reasons over the last 24 months or so. And Claire, I know it's always interesting, of course, you work with Mark Spiegler, of course, Global Director of Art Basel. You get lots of his insights uh, that, that then inform uh, your creation of the report. What What is the picture? I guess the kind of ongoing rise of digital is still very important. There's still the legacy of the pandemic in many markets, still quite immediately in some senses. Has that been changed in terms of the importance of fairs, the, those physical coming togethers of dealers, collectors, artists, has that been changed irrevocably, do you think, by the pandemic? Um, it's interesting when when you kind of talk to people, uh, they were expecting a lot, I think, over the last couple of years, that there was a lot of hopes that, that things would change a lot in the market and kind of hierarchies would break down and the way that more digital selling would kind of shift some of the balances of power in, in the dealer sector and things like that as well. But I, I think... You know, these fairs are still really critical for dealers at all levels. And we, we saw one of the biggest changes, I think, ever was from 2019 to 2020, when we saw the share of fair sales drop from over 40% to just 22%. This was including the online versions of fairs as well. And we did see that come back again in 2021. And that, that was, we came back to 29%. So just under 30% of sales um, last year were made through fairs. So they, they, they haven't gone back to pre-pandemic times, but it's as, as I was saying earlier, it's not, we didn't get a kind of a perfect year to test things out either because it was you know there was some there's new variants coming there was lockdowns happening still in many regions quite regularly so we didn't get a perfect test case to to see how the market really reacts but just more anecdotally on both the collector side and the gallery side there was a real hunger to to engage in person again and i think a lot of dealers were saying both in the surveys and um talking to them directly that you know things like online sales are are easier to make to people that already know your work and they're familiar with the artists but making new sales to new clients especially and reaching new buyers things like events particularly fairs are really critical and I think we've seen the number of buyers that dealers sell to dropping a little bit over the last couple of years which is down I think in part to the lack of of these events whereas the auction sector has been hugely successful the the marketing behind the auction sales has been really really successful in getting to new buyers partially through through NFTs as well and through their online reach but it is an issue for dealers I think at all levels reaching new buyers is is critical through fairs and events. Paul, just to pick up on that point you made earlier, and I always think it's instructive to come back to this, which is that, you know, art, it may be a store of value as as some see it, but as an asset class, you you and your colleagues are always very eager to point out, you've underscored the point that it shouldn't be necessarily viewed as such. On a corollary, you know, we've seen the pandemic, you know, Claire just talking about its impact. The instability politically of the last few weeks, terrible scenes we're seeing in Ukraine. It's also a reminder of the power of art as an amazing unifying force, right? And I think, if nothing else, when we take a moment out to look at the the data and to talk about art in this context, it's good to also stress what, what the power of great art, great artists, um, can be in a broader sense for society, correct? Absolutely. I mean, art uh, very often defies convention. It challenges those uh, in authority, um, by presenting alternative views, uh, some forms of art, obviously, by, by ridiculing or lampooning those in authority. Um, so it creates uh, a more diverse culture. Um, and that has always got to be a, a good thing, I think, for, for the health of an economy, for the health of a society. 
And I think one of the things, if we take a very, very broad definition of art um, that has, has emerged in recent years and possibly even been accelerated by the pandemic, is the fact that a lot of barriers to artistic expression, broadly defined, have been coming down. If we think about the barriers to entry into the music industry or into film or television or other forms of creative expression, you know, these have come tumbling down in recent years because of the changing ways we communicate with one another, the more global ways that we communicate with one another. And so I think that art uh, provides an enormous outlet now for creative ability, but also to reconsider you know, how we operate as societies uh, and you know, basically what it means to be human. Yeah, well, very well said. And, and Claire, let me just come to you. And I guess, you know, it, you, you are not the possessor of a crystal ball or the, the excellence and efficacy of your reports might suggest sometimes that you are. But just in terms of a, an optimistic note, maybe to, to, to end on, in terms of the conversations you had with so many diverse and different characters all around the world about their outlook uh, for the rest of the year and where we might be when you convene for the, the next iteration of this piece. What was the tone, despite the challenges, despite, you know, these dreadful scenes we see uh, in and around Ukraine at the moment? What was it? Was it optimistic? And, and do you echo some of those notes that, that Paul struck there about the power of art broadly to, I don't know, without sounding glib, you know, to sort of make the world a better place almost? Well, for, for sure. I think when, certainly when we uh, were kind of talking to people and concluding all the surveys and things like that at the end of the year and in kind of in January this year, it was a very optimistic picture. People were, were looking forward to kind of getting back to a more regular schedule of events, going to art fairs again, traveling a little bit more, not, not maybe as embracing it quite fully as they used to. And that, that could be a more permanent change, to be honest, as well as people think about sustainability and things like that too. But there was certainly from the collector side, from the high net worth collector side, they're looking forward to buying, both buying and selling this year. And from the trade side as well, both auction houses and dealers looking forward to a, an even better year this year. But that was at the end of the year last year. And, and so much has changed in the last few months. So, and this market is driven so much by, by sentiment as well. And, um, you know, it being an appropriate time to buy and sell or being perceived as an appropriate time to buy and sell. So I think that will affect people um, at the moment. You know, if we were to ask them all the same questions right now, would they see it as, as such a, an optimistic year, given what's happened in Ukraine and other things that are going on in the world? It's, it's a very... Um, it is just such a market that's that's because it's based on kind of discretionary high-end purchasing a lot of the trends that happen in the market um it is it is affected by sentiment but i i, I absolutely agree with what paul is saying the importance of cultural expression to you know undermine or promote or otherwise um whole political regimes and we've seen that over the last couple of years with various things that have, have happened um from me too to black lives matter all these kind of things that have been artists and the, and the market has come back so strongly in, in having a voice and expressing uh, people's views and, and bringing together views as well that, that you know, so people can find ways to express, express themselves. And it's, it's hugely important. It gives everything um, meaning, in, in my opinion, as well. Claire McAndrew. And before that, Paul Donovan. And that brings us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance each week here on Monocle 24. You can find out more about Claire McAndrew and the work she does at 
artseconomics.com. And of course, you can head to ubs.com and search art to discover a world of art market analysis, features, reports, and more details about UBS's own passion for art. And of course, as ever, you can listen again and find out more at monocle.com or via your preferred podcast platform. The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24.